Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, brand worn by John McEnroe, Vitas Gerolitis, Novak Djokovic, and Gabriella Sabatini. Check them out at SergioTacchini.com. Use the code SHAP30 in all caps at checkout to receive 30% off of your order. He grew up in Spokane, Washington, turned pro in 96, and in 2000 reached the Wimbledon quarters. He beat former world number ones Agassi, Sampras, Courier, Rios, Querton, Hewitt, Moya, and Federer. He is here at the U.S. Open broadcasting matches for the USTA, and we discussed the past week of the tournament. Jan Michael Gamble is today's guest, and this is the U.S. Open breakdown special. You're in Queens, and you're going to catch the 9.30 out to Billie Jean King National Tennis Center. What do, what do you have today? Are you bleary-eyed? Uh, <laughs> bleary-eyed. And they've been long days, but the days haven't been too difficult as far as work, workload. But uh, we're doing, uh, we have a, a host booth in uh, for the World Feeds where we jump around to the various matches and uh catch a bit of the action so we're doing i'm doing that with uh kevin skinner at 11 um so that's always fun to do because it's kind of fast and frantic and you get a real good pulse of what's going on on you know in the stadium and uh and on the grounds and then a little bit later i have uh we do every sh- every night we do a show at six fifteen to about seven o'clock till the night matches start uh, it's the mx uh plaza show and i do that with nick mccarville every day so we we recap what's gone on throughout the day and we give people a preview of what's going to happen at night gentlemen you hear former world number 14 did a lot of special things in pro tennis very uh quickly at the end of the 90s and the early 2000s two-handed forehand he had he was two hands off both wings playing with a prince I remember it very clearly like it was yesterday. That's Jan Michael Gamble, man. My man, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Craig. So now, normally, as you know, we do a five-set format. But because this is a special turn and burn and the quarterfinals are set here at the Open, we're going to just do a banger of a second set. This is the On the Court Report, the U.S. Open mid-turn really back-end recap here first and foremost what do you have to say about the tournament well I think that it's just been electric you know with uh, obviously Serena announcing her retirement from tennis that uh, that brought a lot of people into the states into the seats into the stadiums and it was just unbelievable those matches and and the level she played at was was fantastic it's you know that that's the first thing I think about is, is Serena for for you know for for the first week, uh, certainly that was that was the big story, and uh, how well she played in in that last match w- against Tamjanovic was it was just epic stuff. So um, that is kind of the recap. <laughs> Let's sit down on that for a second. Um, yeah, my show's a tennis insider show. We pride ourselves on kind of mm-hmm. you know getting into the nitty gritty. She wasn't ready to play leading into the tournament. She looked bad in Wimbledon, and then. She played the Canadian Open, and then she played Cincinnati, and she won one match. She wasn't ready to play, and then all of a sudden, she was ready to play. 
Yeah, well, you know, I think that the New York crowd loves her so much and she loves it here. And that really, you know, brought her to another level. Uh, but to be honest, even Serena, even a, a great champion like that needs matches. You can't just, you know, wave a magic wand and all of a sudden be match tough, be ready to go, learn how to control the nerves again. She hadn't played for a year. I mean, from Wimbledon. So it's a, you, you know, it's it's a lot for her to just say, I'm going to play these tournaments and, and you know, think that she's going to go through these players that are seasoned right now. So it's, it, it, it took her a little while and she played better and better each match she played here. You know, the third match is a match that she, she could have won, had chances to, to win those, you know, the first set as well as, and, you know, getting through the second in a tough way. Uh, yeah. It took a little while and the footwork came. She started to look pretty good as far as her movement and was striking the ball just excellently. It was, it was, it was neat to see her sort of find her, her mojo out there. Well, that last match, um, the quality was high. The last bunch of years, you know, her tennis kind of something about the quality when she was playing well, it reminded me of Pete always hitting clutch, clutch serves, never allowing the opponent to get into a rhythm. And when she was playing well, those that match against Contevi and then the match against Tomlanovic, I felt like she was kind of like, she was kind of right there. I mean, don't forget, she served for the first set against Tomlanovich. She could have won exactly. that match. Yeah, she, she could have won that match as easily as, as lost that she could have won that straight sets. You know, it didn't happen that way. And, you know, you got to give some credit to Tomlanovich. She's playing extremely good tennis and uh, very high level herself. So stayed in the match and sort of kept herself alive in that first set, somehow found a way through it, which was, a little bit miraculous maybe serena thought about the moment a little in that first set but uh i agree the way she played against contivate sort of raised her level in that third set to to another level um and and then carried it through into that third match so it, it's it's a little bit uh bittersweet you know see seeing serena go out like that it would have been almost easier to see her go out not playing well saying well maybe it is time for her to retire now seeing her play that match and uh it's just like well <laughs> She played pretty well. I, you know, maybe I kind of thought the slam. same thing, and I, I was yeah. like really ready for her to stop playing because I don't want to watch players play that aren't ready to play. But then she, you know, I, 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 I kind of thought that what what we were reading and what we were seeing in social media that she had Renee Stubbs with her and and was practicing with Sakari practicing with ons practicing with others playing practice sets listen you've been on you you've been you've been uh to you prepared for many majors how important is that does that preparation those first seven days ten days i mean uh it's a huge amount of importance on that and uh, as a player you, you i needed those practice sets i heavily believed in going into those practice sets and trying to win them in practice unless you're trying to work on something specific where you know it might be uh, you're, not, you're not at your best if you're trying to serve and volley, whatever it might be. You, you know, you go out and try to play your best game, your best tennis in those sets. And when I was coaching on tour, that's one of the things that I tried, uh, the athletes that I worked out, worked with, tried to get them to really take that very seriously because it translates directly into the matches. And the better you can play those sets, the better you'll go out and, and feel good about yourself in the actual matches when you step foot on the court and the, and the nerves are there and the people are watching and the buzz is going. Um, you, you rely on those practices. So that, that was a, obviously a very 
good. It's a veteran move. You know, she knows what makes her play her best tennis. And, and that was, I think, part of it. And now she's finished. And um, I, I thought that we'd feel like oxygen come out of the tournament. And I don't feel like it has. The place has been buck wild through the entire weekend. Coco Goff seems to have really become a big star here in New York City. I feel like she's become a she's on her way to worldwide superstardom. Yeah, I think that Coco Goff is is definitely one of our next American stars, maybe even could be in the future a legend of our sport, uh, you know, sort of doing things the right way, made the finals of the French Open, played so well there. Uh, already has a taste of of greatness in playing, you know, that far in a, in a grand slam. She's playing fantastic here, um, getting through through Zhang in pretty pretty solid fashion. Five and five now takes on Garcia, who's a very informed player. Uh, she's going to have to play some good defense in that match. Garcia playing very offensively, serving well. So that's going to be an interesting one there. Well, hold on, Caro absolutely. Caro Garcia is. You know, when they talk about players being in the zone, she's yeah. a player in the zone. She is in the zone. I mean, finally, you know, she she made it into the top 10 and fell out of there and, and was sort of lost her way a little bit and, and seems to be heading back in that direction rather quickly. So that is a tough quarterfinal for Coco Goff, but uh, and the you crowd know, loves her. And you know, I, I think, think they're going to get her through it. You know, and the thing I love about Carol Garcia, Carol Garcia – like has like almost like perfect, perfect technique when she plays mm -hmm. tennis, she's got beautiful technique. She does. I and mean, she's one of those players. Again, I, I love her all court game called a bunch of her matches with, with tennis channel and, and watch her play quite often. So you know, it's got that weapon of a serve likes to come forward. It's got good ground strokes off both sides can hurt players can play a little bit of defense. Um, so I think Coco's going to have to be offensive in that match. I think she's going to have to play the defense that we know come to know so well, fastest player, I think on the tour. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be one of those great quarterfinals. There's, there's a quite a few of them though. No, no doubt. Now, you know, one other thing that the other thing that was sort of interesting, it's like the players that were in form have stayed in form. The players that were not have been in form, they're gone. And Emma Raducanu, we don't often see a defending champion lose first round. Um, she remains rudderless. What, what's the inside talk around the ground saying? Well, I think the tournament's been more focused on the players that have been playing well. Like you, like you said, it's Coco Goff. It's, uh, it's, it was Serena, you know, on the men's side, Nadal. And now it's Tiafo. Uh, it's, it's Carlos Alcaraz. I don't think there's been a lot of talk about Raducanu. But she, she went down early. And, uh, you know, Cornet played well in that match. I thought that was a very difficult first-round encounter. Cornet has been playing high-level tennis herself and was, is confident. It's just the kind of player that you didn't want to see in a first round for Raducanu. No doubt but, that that's a tough out for certain. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, for – so what? Emma Raducanu is still qualified and won the U.S. Open last year. And and she has set herself up to have a fantastic career. Yeah, she's got to figure a few things out. She's not playing as, a, in my opinion, and I've done a bunch of her matches. Yeah, She's not playing as offensively as we saw her play at the U.S. Open last year. Just yeah. absolutely crushing returns and taking this offense to, to players and, and sort yeah. of just befuddling them on the court haven't seen that since the open from her but you know she's made some coaching changes of course there's a, a lot of criticism of all this extra stuff she's done and, and again i'm i'm like well what do you expect her to do you have to take those opportunities they may not come again so 
you know, for a player like that, she'll figure it out. She's still young. You know, give her a shot. Nothing can take away what she did last year. Do you think she's very good? Do you think she's a uh, – or do you think it was more fluky? Because I watched her close last year, and, you know, it was Sakari, like, really got tight in the semi, and then she played Layla in the final. And I was behind the court, Jim, Michael, and I was like, God, you know, I don't think she's that good. And then everyone told me I was crazy, and they were like, well, no, 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 she's really good you're you don't know what you're looking at and I was like well I don't know I mean it didn't seem like she had that sort of special quality but listen you win 10 matches in a row in New York City and I mean that just doesn't you can't make that up right (laughs) it's true I mean is she really good yes uh is she gonna win a bunch of slams question mark don't know Uh, again she needs to kind of find her way in the court she can't just be playing excuse me defense all day long uh, against these players who hit the ball big or can get the ball out of her strike zone and make her makes a few errors. Uh, there there was that mystique of, you know, playing against the qualifier. There was a lot of talk last year. Was, oh, no, I have to play Rod Okano. And um, I was out there. I'm good friends with Shelby Rogers. And I was out there in that match with, with Shelbs. And Shelbs got up early in that match and then sort of lo- appeared. And we haven't talked about it. We keep the tennis talk aside and the supporter and, and um, just appeared to get a little bit tight and nervous yeah. for the fact that uh, Raducanu held serve. It was weird. Um, but yeah, a player like that can make you tight. Problem is when you're that, then that player and you have these great results, you have this target on you, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the players are trying to gun for you. They want to beat you because you're a grand slam champion. They want to take what, you know, what, what you have that that's always, that's the nature of the beast, isn't it? That's, it's uh and tennis is very much what have you done for me lately? You know, yeah. <laughs> you got to keep winning matches. So she'll have to find a way to do that. It, it's going to be interesting to watch to watch her career. I, I think she's a, a very good player and seems to be a very nice person. Shviantek so well, you know? has had that X on her back since the you know middle of March or so. You know, she closed the show to get into the quarters with a with a bagel. She's talked about being like kind of uncomfortable here hasn't totally found her form but meanwhile she's you know six sets away from another major yeah Shiantek you know she was these courts are not really designed for Shiantek's game you you, if you can hit the ball big enough you can rush that forehand a little bit uh uh, Julie uh, Niemeyer was able to do that in the first set and it took Shiantek you know a little while I think to find her her range there and, and to find the ball and then started to really dictate and the fact that she won that third set 6-0 that's she looked pretty good to get through that one it's gonna be tough for her against Pagula Pagula doesn't quite as have as much firepower as, as Niemeyer but Pagula has been playing confident tennis and, and is hitting her ground strokes probably better than she ever has uh, that was a good win against Kvitova for her that backhand return is a big one the backhand to backhand, I like it for Pagula. We'll see how the forehand stacks up against the big forehand of Shviantek. She's she said that she doesn't like the ball she's playing with. She, there's been some things that have that have you know come out of her mouth about about that, and and uh, you can't expect her to just be invincible. But I think that she's she's really found a good rhythm here, and, and you know it, it wouldn't be surprising if she got through. It's interesting looking down a little bit lower. Pushkova has been playing excellent tennis yeah. again finally, and uh, has found her. Uh, her range. She's one of my favorite players, so I always call her to win each tournament, except for the French Open. <laughs> she's going to win on the clay, but she actually might do it this time. Pliskova playing such high level, and she played a great th- uh, third set there against Azarenka. Was putting the pressure on 
uh, Vico actually thought was playing pretty well. So that was her a... opponent Sabalenka yeah. is also playing well with the big serve. So you got a couple of big servers down there. If somehow Fiontek gets through, she's going to play a big server, big hitter. How will that match up in the semifinals? Yeah, and meanwhile, I still feel like the Caro Garcia Coco Golf Quarter is like the is the the popcorn match of the of the of the quarters there. Yeah, you you know you looked at well, I sure like seeing a couple of Americans in the quarterfinals. It's fantastic. Uh, you know, almost had Collins had had a chance to get through there, but Sabalenka a little too good in that. You know, I also like the Jabor Tomjanovic. That that quarter is is, is pretty fun too. You you have a pretty nice, well represented uh, worldwide tournament here. Um, I don't know what more you could ask for. That's what these slams are designed uh, to sort of cultivate. Yeah, you mentioned Danielle Collins. She lost to Sabalenka in three last night. Um, she Collins at one moment early on the on the change, the first change in the third set, floated over to her box and received some coaching that Kara Wozniacki followed by Renee followed by Brad Gilbert all thought was kind of suspect that there was like a lack of tactics discussed that it was, there was some things that they could have, the coaching could have could have or should have seen with the coaching being allowed. What have your observations been of the, of the coaching? Well, first of all, I'm I'm not a big fan of it. I think the players should be out there as as is the tradition and and on their own. You know, with that being said, of course, coaching goes on. There's the signals. There's players, your coaches talking anyway to the players in, in languages that maybe the umpire can't understand. It's been happening, so they're they're trying something here. And with that, be there's my stance on it. Uh, it's it's going on. You know, so what? So let's see how it goes. And so far, I haven't seen it be disruptive. Um, that was my sort of concern, especially when you add the men in, <laughs> you know, who knows what's going to happen out there. Um, it hasn't been an issue. It, I, I don't think as far as causing problems, have I seen it make a difference as far as what they're saying, you know, really kind of resonating with the player. That's up to the player. I think some players don't want to hear it. I think some players could be overwhelmed by, by information. So you have to be pretty slick on how you deliver that information. It has to be a few concise things, something like, Hey, this the player is acing you T on every big point in the ad court. You better cover that. You know, <laughs> something like that could really make a difference um, on a big point. Or look, let's take a few more serves into the body. Look for some forehands to dictate something that can be really simple uh, and and quickly absorbed by the player because you don't want to be thinking too much about all this extra stuff. That's why you drill so much um, in practices so you can play the patterns, adapt your patterns, see what the player is doing, and and quickly be able to to do that without worrying and thinking too much is it's 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 a lot of reaction but if you can prep a little bit then you're in good shape nick curios <laughs> just awesome i mean just awesome why? Against Medvedev. Why? I mean, well, I, well why yeah why <laughs> why now i mean the guy uh, you know uh, i've always been a fan of nick's he's 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 lovely person off the court sometimes the antics are what people see on the court and uh Sometimes he hasn't competed, I think, to his amazing level that he that he certainly has shown us here. And uh, why is a good question. The guy's brilliant, you know, and it's like an artist. Why does he create an amazing piece of art at a certain time? Why is he playing like this now? 
he just is. And it's, it's, it's awesome for us fans. It's awesome. Uh, you know, I think for the tennis world, I'm not sure anybody can beat him when he plays at that level. Um, you know, the, the third and fourth set against Medvedev was some of the best tennis I've seen in a long time. The way he returned serve. I've never seen Nick return that well. It was just a joke. I mean, he's putting those returns back right on the baseline, just depth and, and dictating the rallies against a guy who's one of the best ground strippers, especially on hard courts in the world. So crazy um, the way he hits that backhand. He it's it's like it's like a it's like a knuckleball. There's very little spin on the ball is. sometimes, and he never misses it. That's the craziest thing. Yeah, like, how kinda, do you teach that? You well, <laughs> it's like the new. But I'm saying it's like the new backhand. We see it from Tiafo has something similar to that, where they sort of and and it's like a shovely kind of backhand. The ball just they, – they never miss their backhands. They, they kind of guide it around the court. The, yeah. the idea is that if you try to hit that too hard, that they'll you'll miss because you kind of lose control when you're kind of guiding it around. And uh, uh, Sebi Cordes is not exactly like that, but it's – you know, there's there's some players out there that are starting to adapt that. You have Brooksby hits his backhand a lot like uh, – like Kyrgios, you know, it's a shot that kind of drives to the court, stays pretty low. It's not a brand new shot. That backhand was Jimmy Connors's backhand. It, it isn't a new thing in tennis. It's just a thing that has has returned to tennis. It hit sort of almost an underspin backhand and, and able to get good depth on it. Um, Cam Norrie has a backhand exactly like that on on a, as a lefty. Yeah. Boy, boy, is it ever a good shot. He can yeah. kind of guide it deep. He can he can hit it as a, as a creepy little angle that pulls guys over, and then he yanks them across the court mm-hmm. with that good lefty forehand. Um, so, yeah, Kyrgios, Kyrgios, though, with that backhand, actually can hit it hard and hits these winners sort of from nowhere. He was crushing it on the returns in those in those final sets against Nevedev. It, it, was, it was a spectacle. I, I couldn't – my eyes were just glued to that screen. Well, that last night – uh, both guys got done, you know, well, well past the witching hour. Uh, Yannick Sinner hitting lasers with Ivashka, and then uh, Carlitos Alcaraz beat uh, Marin Cilic in in five. They both won five setters. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, I think that you know the the tournament. You know, I think everyone's tracking for a Carlitos Kyrgios final. Um, your thoughts? I think that could very well happen. Uh, that's sort of the the final that I envisioned. I I originally called Alcaraz to win the tournament, but I think he's got some people in front of him that are difficult for him to beat. In fact, Sinner has taken him out a couple times this year at Wimbledon and in Umag. So. He's got a little bit of a mental advantage maybe against Carlitos. We'll see how that one turns out. It's going to be great. I mean, just looking at the quarterfinals, you see eight different guys from eight different countries. Well, actually, there's one, well, two from Russia. But uh, besides that, all this, the world is just represented um, in, in, in this quarterfinal matchups. And how exciting is it to see Francis in there? He, he can beat Rublev. He's done it here at the U.S. Open. So could he just make it to the semifinal? That would be amazing. What incredible thing. Uh, it hasn't been since 2003. No Rafa, Fed, Joker, or Serena in a quarterfinal in a major. Yeah, I was reading that this morning on Twitter, and I was just thinking to myself. I but, man, that's that. 19 years ago. <laughs> I know. It's just crazy. 
I mean, incredible, incredible. Got to give them their credit on what they've accomplished. Uh, you know, those players you mentioned, all of them. Legends well, it's in amazing right. too and, that, uh, like, you know, Rafa is thirty-six. He's losing his hair, and it's still a great win to beat Rafa. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right? Well, Rafa won the Australian Open and the French Open. Hadn't been <laughs> defeated in in a Grand Slam match. He he didn't play the Wimbledon match, uh, of course. Uh, uh, against Curios, a lot of us were looking forward to that, including myself. I love that matchup because there's n- no love lost in that one. But, uh, yeah. but um, y- you know, uh, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. And I thought that Francis played amazing yesterday. And to, yeah. to take Rafa out is 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 just no easy task. And uh, it was it was great to see. Did did you notice anything? You know, early on in the tournament. That was interesting to you. I saw a Chinese qualifier blow seven match points against uh, Tim Van Rijthoven and lost in the third set and then lost in five. Did you see any, like, I mean, the grounds were incredible that first week. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's sort of what, what comes to mind is just the amount, the turnout that we've had uh, this year. Uh, it's just been incredible the u.s open has just drawn record crowds and people are excited to watch tennis we have some awesome young stars we have some some fantastic legends playing we we sort of have it all this is why you come to watch tennis is is for this kind of excitement and the tournament has just given it um in spades it's 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 just been it's just been awesome. I mean, there's even great doubles matches out there. A lot of great doubles matches. It's sick. The juniors sick, are playing well. Du- sick it's just, matches. It's just been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and what about ball. what about Brian Shelton's kid? What are you guys talking about with him? Well, love Ben Shelton. Watched, uh, in fact, called his matches in Cincinnati, uh, at least one of them, and watched the other one. Uh, and he's just a brilliant and wonderful person. Uh, I hadn't met him, but no, Brian, well, met him just the other day and just a uh, you know, just a nice person and a genuine nice person. So it's, it's just like his father. And it's one of those guys you just really cheer for. And he's sure is exciting to play. Um, in fact, he called his doubles match here. And he, and he I actually like how he, he, he went down hit serving big, a couple double faults to lose that match. And there are actually three of them. But uh, was going for his shots. I, I like what they're doing with his game. I like the outlook. Um, talk about those kinds of backhands. This is a lot like Nick Kyrgios, that uh, the backhand that he possesses. So it sort of is becoming the new backhand. Uh, but, uh, you know, Shelton, I think he's got a, a brilliant career in front of him. What about um, Ethan Quinn? You know, it was funny. The other day I was floating around and I saw all the biggest names, all the biggest power brokers in tennis were at a doubles match on court 11. It was Tony Godsick's son when Ethan Quinn had won Kalamazoo. They won a round and they were playing Mektik and Pavic and all the biggest, all the biggest hitters in tennis were out there watching that. Well, I think when Tony shows up, a lot of big hitters show up. <laughs> but you know uh, about but, this uh, kid, yeah. Ethan Quinn? Do you know about these? Do you know about them? Um, a little bit. I, I know Gotsik pr- pretty well. I've seen him practice. I, I love how hard he practices at the, uh, He's he. I saw his serve on there. He's one of the hardest serves of the tournament, if not the hardest at one point. Uh, biggest, I mean, uh, fastest. Um, he's got some weapons, and uh, you know he's doing the work. He wants it bad, and uh, haven't had a chance to see Quinn play that much yet, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah. looking forward to that. 
that's kind of the thing about the U.S. Open too. Like, there's nooks and crannies and little little sub stories floating around everywhere when you're out there, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. And you know, obviously, with draws that big, and you know, I have my eye on both men's and women's draws, and and you know, we're working a lot of the time, so sometimes we get matches that throw us the new people, and sometimes you're just on what you're on, and uh, you don't catch everything in these tournaments. But uh, it's it's fun to do the recap and sort of kind of go back. You can watch the matches a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe on, on, on tape or on video, I mean, and, uh, there's just so much to see and, and, uh, <laughs> the people have been showing up for it. My man, you got seven minutes to make that bus. Uh, yeah, thank I got, you. I got to run soon. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Craig. Thanks for yeah. having me. Appreciate and it. And you know what we'll do is, um, down the road, we'll do my proper format. So my listeners can hear about your journey in tennis We'll get that done that. after the fun. tournament. Yep. Sounds, uh, sounds great. Jan Michael Gamble, the man with the million dollar smile, you are released. Have a great day out there. Enjoy <laughs> the rest of the tournament. Thanks a lot. You too. Huge thank you to Jan Michael Gamble. And thank you to Sergio Tacchini. See them at SergioTacchini.com and use my code SHAP30 at checkout to receive 30% off of your order. Max Loeb edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released. <laughs>